You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay. All right. Welcome, everyone. I hope you had a decent day. I hope it was a beautiful day. <laughs> decent, at least decent, hopefully much more than that. And we're going to give you a way to to give you some Torah in your evening and hopefully to last you for a little while, maybe through the night and through the morning, and make you desire to want to learn more. We're going to start with Alocha. 30 minutes, 20 minutes of Alocha, 30 minutes of Shalmi, 40 minutes of Babla. Here we go. Uh, last night, we got up to uh, the Tav Samech Zion. We're in the middle of Sif Ches. Uh, I sent out an email to everyone. That's the, uh, that is the... Uh, March 19th, Mission for Learning, page one. Again, we're going to ask people to please um, uh, mute your mics, if you will, so, and then you'll have a chance, if you have a question, to ask a little bit later. So here we go. Uh, next. Expensive spice. The minig is, in these Medinot, not to eat at this time. And you can see this comes from the Maharil. This comes from the Maharil, uh, the great Ashkenazi Posek. Why was, we talked about, uh, we talked about sugar and honey yesterday. What's wrong with this? What could, what could be wrong with these spices? What could be wrong with eating these spices and using these spices? Good to see you, Alan. It's good. Well, what could be wrong with eating these spices? Let's look at the Mishnah Bura. The Mishnah Bura says in Lamed Gimel, it's going to be a similar reason to the honey and sugar issue. What was the reason? In other words, the, the non-Jews, whoever they are, who's selling the, the saffron, they want them to appear shiny on for the for the consumer. That's the way it is when you go into the grocery store. They make sure to have looking nice and shiny because that's what's going to attract you to them. You're going to think they're not nodding away. You're not going to buy them. The same thing is true. Thank you. The same thing is there's been a request to mic. There's been a request, if you will, to mute your mic, Atzio. Thank you. Okay. All right. What? What's this, Rabbi? Sion, you have to mute the mic. Lashdik at our microphone. Thank you. Okay. 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 Good. So let's take a look at the Mishnah again. What they would do is they would put flour around the spice to make it look like it's normal color. And then when they saw that the spice was becoming weak, when the when, when the saffron was losing its normal color, they would they would throw in again this sourdough into the into the spice in order for it to get the appearance of fresh saffron. Now look at this very interesting shita here. the now, in these Ashkenazi communities that we were talking about, they assured sugar. They assured honey. And all the Rabbanim met together and said, don't eat it. We're afraid it might be chametz. 
So the same thing happened when it came to saffron. When they discovered there was this uh, way of putting these the chametz in there, people were afraid they were bringing chametz into their house. But what about if somebody says, I don't buy my saffron by the goyim. I raise them in my backyard. I'm a gardener. I have in my own backyard saffron. I raise it. So let's take a look. The avkarko magodo beginas beso benizrbo michametz, noigabo isrim de maris ayan. Okay, why? Shahakarkom eno motzi b'medinas elu. Biyizbaru shukarkom abomi merchakim. What the, Mr. Bruce is telling us is that we don't want you going against the takana of the tzibur. Even though your saffron is 100% non-chamet, people who see you at your house and come over and see it say, where'd you get that from? Does that mean I can go to the store and buy it? They don't realize that you have actually spent the money and you that you have the gardening IQ to be able to raise it. No one thinks that you raised your own saffron. And therefore, the takana is in place. However, However, in this simon, we not only talked about honey, the seed, we talked about honey and sugar, we also spoke about raisins and dried fruit. And we said that raisins and dried fruit that were bought from the non-Jewish merchants or even from some of the Jewish merchants, we were afraid that, that chametz was used in the processing. However, if you raise your own fruit, you're your own farmer, you have your own tree, and you put, the, you put it out in the sun, you don't put it into the oven, there there wouldn't be a problem. And even if someone came to your house and saw your dried fruit, you wouldn't have to be worried because people understand Fruit is 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 is, is uh, it's prevalent enough among people growing it, and people know how to grow it and to dry it that people will aren't going to assume you're going against uh, the takana not to eat dried fruit. Whereas when it comes to saffron, it's so unusual to have the gardening skills to be able to grow saffron properly that people think you probably bought it, and that's why you can look. It's very interesting to see how subtle. The halacha is here in terms of understanding what people think and when are you pushing against the takana and when are you not. Let's go on. Od kasu, and like I said a couple of days ago, for those who are just joining us today, Shulchan Aruch, when you learn Shulchan Aruch inside, it's a, you're going back in time. It's like you're going into a time machine and you are learning about life in that period. And now you're going to think about how you're going to apply it to today. One thing I want you to be able to do is just enjoy the trip. Don't get worried about what am I have to do, Lamaisa. Enjoy being part of the history of Klal Yisrael when you learn halacha. So let's take a look a little bit more in the Mishnah. Okay, we're in Sif Katan Lamed Gimel. It's page one of what I sent. There were some places where, in order to keep tobacco fresh, we used to somehow soak the tobacco in beer. That was chametz beer. So now the tobacco comes out, it's, it's, it's got dried chametz all over it. So what's the din there? So you're not sure. It's some, again, some places yes, some places no. You're not sure. So what do you have to do? It's a suffix chametz. It's a chash. 
put your tobacco, because you probably paid a lot of money in the time of, in the Shulchan Aruch, and these posts can be written, it cost a lot of money to get tobacco. So you probably paid a decent amount of money for it over Pesach. You got to put the tobacco away. You got to kick the habit for, uh, for Pesach. Put it in a room. Make a mechitz in front of it because it's a safekhametz. And that would be the same thing when it would come to saffron as well. If you do have the saffron, what you need to do with the saffron, you need to put it away. Uh, 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 so, okay. Listen to this now. So what did he do? And again, here's what you see that rabbis need to do. In the coronavirus, the rabbis, of course, have to be choker with the, uh, the doctors and the, uh, and, and the internists and know what's going on. The same thing is true whenever you paskan aloha, you need to find out the metzias. So the Chayodim himself, who, by the way, was a businessman and a banker before he, he lost all his money, and then he had to become the Dayan of, of Vilna, along with other, other Dayanim, one of the Dayanim of Vilna. The famous Rabbi Ram Danzig, he was a banker and a businessman, eventually lost all his money in some investment. I forgot what it was exactly. But then he ended up becoming a Dayan for the last years of his life and publishing one of the most popular svarim ever written in Halacha, the Chayodim. So let's see what the Chayodim says. The people, and this is what Sion likes, you know what we do this on Yom Kippur, the shnaf tabak. That's, I don't want to touch my face because yeah. I'm supposed to. But you know what I'm talking about. You take something in your, you take the tobacco, <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you stick it into your nose, right? So it was very popular. What, what Sion? I said this day Shmaelim Shemachuit Yosef Lashmaelim and Mayulukhim Samim you know what? It's, it was popular everywhere. When I was growing up as a kid, I saw all yes. the old men yes. with Shneptab. Yeah. So this, it's called snuff. So this Shneptab, this, um, the Shnub Tabak, um, he found out that Melachlachin Apekel Tabak Biyai Nesach. He went and found out the way they made it, and he discovered that it was actually made by, um, it was actually they used to wet the bottom of the uh, of the particles with what with 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 not with yain neslech. I don't know if church wine or just general wine that was aser bahana. So therefore, he says medina. So in other words, maybe it was made by the church. I don't know, but somehow they would use sacramental wine or other sort of wine in order to soak the the tobacco crystals, whatever they were called, the particles that were used for snuffing. So you now have a bigger problem. You have a problem of, 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 of being nenef from something that's usher bahano. So he says you shouldn't, you shouldn't use that shnep tabak perhaps the whole year round. So, um, but the Mishnah Burr says that was true in his time. That was in the beginning of the 19th century when he wrote his book, 1812, approximately. That's when he wrote his book, 1812, 1820, the second, first edition, I think it was 1820 or something, 1812, 1820. So, but the Mishnah Burr is writing about 80 years later. He says, We have to figure out today if Shmek Tabak is also as problematic as it used to be. So once again, you see a lot is dependent on knowing how things are made and discovering stuff. It's not just today. Okay, let's take a look at a very important piece now. Um, okay, we've got about another 10 minutes on this. 
I want to do about eight or ten minutes. So I want to do an important piece. If you go back to the Shulchan Aruch, meaning the Ramah, he says, Miu einon osrin taruvosan, Now, the pages before, which you have from yesterday's uh, email, that was referring to honey, that was referring to sugar, that was referring to dried fruit, because there were problems in those uh, in those days. So now the Ramah is telling us that even though the sugar is a problem, the honey is a problem. But let's say you've already mixed that into something else, a taruvos. It isn't the thing itself that's a suffix. It's mixed in with something else, and you have rove of the other thing. So once there's already a taruvos, so the whole thing is a suffix anyway. You're not 100% sure. You heard that that's what's happening. There's a certain percentage of honey that's mixed in. But once it's already made into something else and it's ma'urim with something else, now we can be makeup. Because now the whole thing was only a chash, but it's only a chash for the dover be'en. But once this so object, Rav, Yes. Yes, Does Moshe. this the fact of uh, Right, so one of the reasons is because we don't know what was there, Moshe. <laughs> that was one of the reasons. In other words, if we would know it was there, then you might have chozer veneer. Moshe is asking about the, what we hold by the by the Ashkenazim that we hold that chametz, even though there was a bittel before Pesach, is chozer veneer during Pesach. But that's only Moshe if you knew it was definitely chametz. Here, in all these cases, in the dried fruit, in the honey, in the sugar, in all these cases, it's a chash. Since it's, and that's what the Mishnah is telling us. Let's look at the Mishnah Burr inside. It's mashma taruvos, even if it wasn't bottle. This is even a bigger chiddush, Moshe. Even if it's less than shishim, when you may, when you put the honey into the into the whatever you were making, uh, whatever you were making with the honey, even if it was less than shishim, it still is okay. Why? Because it's only a chash. Since it's only a chash, okay? Since it's only a chash, therefore, okay, I didn't touch my face, only the napkin here. It's only a chash. So therefore, um, you don't have to be <laughs> You're right. We have to we have to view the corona like a mashu. <laughs> We've got to worry about it like Chometz Oser B'Mashu. Next, let's do a little more halacha today. A sif test now. Back in the Shulchan Aruch now. Tav Shoshin is Bashel V'nim We have five more minutes. Tav Shoshin is Bashel V'nim Saorim Ochitim. Okay. So what happened? I made a kugel. I made something that's kosher for Pesach using matzah meal, using uh, wheat. But now... When I'm looking at my, my meal, whatever it is, my kogo, my stew, what do I find in there? I find a kernel of wheat or a kernel of barley. Uh-oh. Now what do I do? So the real question is, obviously it was cooked with water and other things. Did it become chametz or not? Now, there's a, machlok- there's a machlokas. Wheat becomes chametz when it's soaked in water. But it needs to be it needs to be affected by the water. You need to see the effects of it. There's a machlokas Shmuel and Mar Ukva, two great Amaroyim. What it needs to be, Shmuel, who we usually follow whenever it comes to Din, Mun and but not always when it comes to Isurim. 
Shmuel says you need to see the wheat has popped. You can see that it's broken, and you can see that it's bigger than it was before. You can see how it's spread out. Marukva says it's got to be, even if it's karov, even if it's close to being, it's close to uh, to popping. It hasn't popped completely, It hasn't, but it looks like it. Now, that's a very bad term to use for Marukva. And the post can, that's the reason why we have a problem here. Shmuel says it's either yes or not. You're not either, it's, it's, it's popped. You can see it's popped. Marukva says even if it's close to being popped, horribly is my case. Now, since this is a question of Hametz, you can see there's people who want to be Machmir. But if you're going to be Machmir like Marukva, then what's considered close? Is any, is, it's a little softer, oh, it looks a little bit different. What's considered close to being popped? I don't know. So that's the reason we're going to have here a discussion. So let's read it quickly. So in this bakumamish, if it's as bad even according to Shmuel, then you see the whole thing popped. Uh-oh. The whole thing popped, and I found this in my stew. I found this in my kugel. I found this in my cholent. Uh-oh. It's Pesach now. It's also b'mashu. I don't care if there's 60 times more. That was that was definitely chametz. Chametz is also even there's 60 times more. The whole kit and caboodle needs to be thrown out. The whole cholent, the whole kugel, the whole thing has to be thrown out. Being alone, has to be. Yes. Has to be cooked with that. Has to be cooked it with that. It was cooked. Yes, it was cooked. cooked. It was cooked. Right. So everything that you cook needs it needs to be thrown out. Now, obviously, you're gonna you're gonna destroy that kernel as well. But the kernel, we assume, has given its taste, even though it's less than a hundredth, even though it's a masho of a taste. We believe that the kernel has given its taste into the food, and the food is now usher to eat and usher bahanot. My shela, my shela, my shela, is if, if after it's cooked, after it's cooked and it's fall down. Okay, that's a different question. You want to know if after it's cooked, something falls in. So then I'll answer your question. Then it depends on how hot the item is. If, if the item is still it's hot, done. then it can cook it again. Then it can be considered cooked. But we're talking about here where you discovered, oh, it must have been cooked with it. Let's finish up here. The imlon is baku mamash, but it hasn't popped completely. Hatav shul mutar. Why? Because, why? Because it's only a it's only a question of chametz being oser b'mashu, which is only a din derabbanan. The din that chametz asers b'mashu is a din derabbanan. You're misupik here whether this was chametz or not. According to Marukva, yes. According to Shmuel, not. And since it's anyway more than uh, we're assuming here that it's definitely we assuming maybe it's more than shishim. So because of that, you're allowed, you don't have to throw the food out. Says the Ramah, we don't hold that way. Again, the Ashkenazim or Marmachmer, Ela Baku. Even if the kernel that you found is hasn't popped, we say you gotta throw everything out. And as the Mishnah Burr explains over here, Barichos, you can see what that means. What does that mean that it's uh, that it's Usr? Take a look at Lamed Zion, Afiu Bahano, Begam Koa Keum Shinishtam Shubom, Litafshul Zeba Odocham. Anything that you use with this cholent, with this stew, you poured it into some other plate. 
You got to throw that stuff out. Shayad You can't even use those kalim anymore. Those kalim, if you poured it into another cup, in other words, you had a big pot of cholent and you were giving everybody the cholent and everybody had their pots and they are coming with their little dishes. All those dishes have to be put away for Pesach now because you discovered oh, you went back, because, because again, it was a huge pot of cholent and then you discovered this uh, morsel that had popped. That's according to the Mechaber. According to the Ramah, even if the morsel hadn't popped, what do you have to do? You have to actually, you answer the whole trillant, you answer the containers that people had with their own individual plates. Those have to be put yes, away it. for Pesach. Um, let's go on. Is it glass? Is it glass, um, Rabbi? Glass, not necessarily, but Tzorach Latznin and Achar Pesach. Vim Nisarev Mat Mitav Shlzeh Letav Shlacher. Let's say a little bit of that cholent you poured into somebody else's cholent next door. In other words, you took a little bit of your cholent and put it into someone else's. So now that other guy's cholent, then you discover in the bottom of the pot of your cholent one of these morsels. you got to tell the guy next door that his stuff is usher as well. Because once it's usher b'mashu, it ushers all the way. The, the, the amounts do not make a difference anymore when it comes to, to Pesach. Um, Let's say I use the same ladle to stir this cholent, and then I stir some soup. Okay? Then I discover on the bottom of the of the cholent what was there, one of these uh, morsels, one of these uh, uh, pieces of chito or saorim. Now the ladle is a problem. So since even so, the ladle is now made. The ladle has made a problem for the soup that I use. So I have to. I can't use that soup either. The kiven the surba mashu amrina the gam polate mashu. So that is uh, would be the problem here uh, in terms of, uh, of 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 this situation. So that is how much you have to be machmer, and you can see what we're talking about. Which is finished off, but the saorim themselves sarfamosam. The saorim themselves, of course. You uh, burn them. Um, okay, so we'll continue from this point here tomorrow. That is our Shulchan Aruch for today. We're now going to move to the Yerushalmi. Tomorrow is Friday. When we're going to do it tomorrow? Oh, okay. I I, I forgot. Um, oh. It's up to you. If people want to learn tomorrow at some time, let's be in touch after the shir tonight. If, if people are interested in a shir tomorrow. To do some of the Gemara. Tomorrow at three o'clock. You want to do something tomorrow at three? Or are you just joking? Yeah. No, I'm not. Okay. So, so if people are okay, we'll do another shear tomorrow. I'm in, Lee Netter. Okay. Yeah. Right, we'll have another shear tomorrow. You have, you, have to, you have to change your carbon monoxide battery for tomorrow, okay? Because it's beeping. Is it yours? No, no. Rabbi, it's not, it's not, not, no, 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 it's not mine. It's not mine. It's not mine. Maybe it's some Moroccan. Maybe it's you on a Moroccan. It's you on it's you? It's you on your microphone on? No, it's you. Who is it? Who's the guilty one? Of course. All right. Time for the Yerushalmi. Come on. We don't want to be... There's be plenty of time for Bito Torah later. Let's go with Yerushalmi now. Yerushalmi. Okay. Okay. So... Page one of the Yerushalmi, <laughs> page one of the Yerushalmi, <laughs> 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 
If a wind is strong, you make such a bracha. When is the price? When does it make such a bracha? When it's a very strong, almost a gale force wind. That's when you make such a bracha. If it's just a beautiful, pleasant wind, but you're enjoying it, you make another bracha. It's a beautiful, cool, breeze day. You make a bracha. You might not have heard that before. But that's what the Yashami is telling us. If the wind is not powerful and, and attacking you, it's just a very beautiful, and it's strong, but it's, it's pleasant to be in. It's not as off. It's a voracious. When a Kaddish Baruch allows the winds to, to circulate on the earth, especially a forceful one, he, 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 he weakens them with mountains and softens them with hills. Wind, go out there, but do not damage, do not hurt my creatures. Matam, ki ruach milfana yatov, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says. What does ruach milfana yatov mean? That the wind, I, I, I compress it. I, I, I shut it down. The wind comes from God. But God sort of is mitzamts in the wind. It makes the wind less powerful. Next. Why? Because the end of the Pasuk says, uh, I've made human souls. I want them to live. I want them to enjoy the planet. And that's the reason why I make the wind uh, uh, softer. There were three times in our history that the wind came out out of control. And the whole world was in danger for being destroyed. What does it say? Remember when Yonah ran away uh, not to go to Tarshish? He was on the boat. He was on the way to Tarshish, I'm sorry. Not to go to Nineveh. He was on the boat. And what does it say? There was a huge wind. And the wind was going to capsize the, 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 the boat. That wind, if God didn't control it, could have even been so powerful to destroy the world. That's what the Yishalmi says. Bimei Eov, when was that? Terrible story. You know the first parak of Eov. Eov was a big tzaddik. He did everything right. And then... What happened? A great wind came when his family was uh, celebrating and, 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 and knocked down the walls of his home or, or his children's homes and killed all his children. That was the strong wind that came in the time of Eov. That was also an incredibly powerful wind. We may Elio as well. Um, right? Binayan. That's when Elio was in Harchorev, 
and he was hiding in the in the place where Moshe Rabbeinu received the Torah. And God sent him a lesson. You might remember the still small voice. Remember, Hashem sent him. The, 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 was there was a whirlwind. There was there was a trembling. And then remember, Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, "Where is the Kol Hashem? The Kol Hashem is only but called the Mamadaka." But Eliyahu Navi needed to hear. That was the lesson Eliyahu Navi learned. But before he learned that lesson, Hakadosh Baruch Hu let out an incredibly powerful wind. He says, and that wind could have destroyed the planet. Amar Abudin Bar Shalom Neimer says, "I disagree on the other two. The one about Eov and 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 and, and Yonah, that was for them. Eov to be tested, Yonah to be told to go back and do the Navua properly. But the one for Eliyahu, when that occurred, the whole planet was really in peril. That's how powerful the wind was. Why? Take a look at the Yishalmi. Shehu Kosmikon. It was it was universal. Kosmikon, the whole cosmos, the whole planet was affected by the wind that Elio was 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 experiencing. Vine Hashem over the Achar Kachrash. Then there was the there was like an earthquake. The Achar Arash Eish, and then there was fire. And Loba Eish Hashem, but the fire God was not there. God was only later. So that that pyrotechnical display that happened to Elio Anavi was like Harsinai. Just like Harsinai, they heard it everywhere. Kriyas Yamsuf was everywhere. That event that happened by Eliyahu and Avi, according to the Medrash, happened across the planet. Everybody felt it. Next. What bracha do you make? You make a bracha specifically for the Mediterranean. Yehuda is very particular in the way he makes his brachas. Every 30 days. Very interesting stories are going to happen here. Do not get bored. I tell you, this is very interesting what's coming up. Okay. Shimon Kamatria. I haven't seen him in Bavli, but in Yerushalm, I guess he shows up a number of times. He was Shimon Kamatria. The Rishonim tell us that he was a cabinet maker. That's what he did. He made cabinets, and he schlepped them uh, and sold them. He made his own furniture, and then he would take his furniture and bring it to sell. But he was also an Amora. Shimon Kamatria Shorab Baraba. Begin the Anachamar. I always slept with my donkeys from place to place selling my cabinets. This Solakar Yerushalayim Bakol. Shona. I'm always Yerushalayim throughout the year. Mahu Shenikra. Should I, should I rip Kriya? We know the same way when you see something amazing and beautiful, you make a bracha. If this is the first time you've seen it in 30 days, the same thing is true when you when you when you see the korban, when you see Yerushalayim b'chorbano, you also rip kriya. But how many do you rip kriya every time you go to Yerushalayim? That's what his question was. He goes to Yerushalayim frequently. Let's see what the Gemara answers. The Gemara says. And that's the halacha, the way we understand actually in Shulchan Aruch, that if this, you haven't been in Yerushalayim in 30 days, and you see the Mokam HaChorben, you're Mechuyah to Rais Kriya, again, Poskim or Mekel, uh, with certain situations, on Friday afternoon, or whatever it is, but this is the way the halacha comes out about, about ripping Kriya. Now, and if you don't do it, 
you haven't done the right thing? <laughs> You're supposed to be affected by what's around you, Effie. <laughs> the same way when you see something beautiful, you make a bracha. When you see something tragic, you're supposed to be affected by it. And every 30 days... But is it a sin or is it not a sin? Meaning, is it a, if you do it, it's a mitzvah, but if you don't do it, it's in a mirror, or you, it's, it's, you lost the opportunity to do a mitzvah. I would say it's not as it's not it's not as bad of a veira saying loshanara. It's not a bad veira stealing. It's not enough. Maybe it's not a veira at all. But it shows a lack of sensitivity on your part that you care more about your shirt than you care about the destruction of the bezamikdosh. So let's go on. Um, uh, hang on. I told you it's going to get real interesting right now. Rabhuna Shima in the name of Shimon Kamatria b'shem Rav Shmuel Bar Nachman. The Pusik says in Shoftim that there was an Avodah Zarah that was captured by Shevet Dun. And Shevet Dun, the leaders of Shevet Dun, captured this Avodah Zarah. And they set up their own Kohen. Now, he wasn't a Kohen. He was a Levi. And he served as... He, he served... Have mute the mic, please. He served as the Kohen for this Avodah and it was a very popular one. People would come to this Pesel to, he was the guy who took care of it. Who's the guy that we're talking about? Yonasam ben Gershom ben Menashem. If you look in that Pesach in Tanakh, you'll see that the Yerushalmi says, so if you look at the way it's written, it says Menashe. Turn off the microphone. Tion, turn off the microphone. Tion. The Nun of the name Menashe is, is on a difference. It's written higher than the other letters. Nun should be inserted between the Mem, Nun, Shin, and Hey. What is it really? It's really who? Moshe. We're talking about Moshe Rabbeinu's grandson. Moshe Rabbeinu's grandson was a Oved Avodah Zarah promoter. He was the priest. He had the biggest, he was the biggest meyuchas in the whole world. The grandson of Moshe Rabbeinu himself, right? The great, great, great grandson of Levi, right? The great grandson of Amram. This was one of the people you couldn't get better yuchas than him. So the people of Shevedon, the Avodah Zarah, they paid him, and he was the one who was like the Kohen for this Avodah Zarah. And it says there that there was, when, when it writes his name, it writes his name with a nun above the line. Im ben Moshe, ben Menashe. What we want to tell you is, it's he himself, that person, if he, if he continues being Avodah Zarah, he's the son of Menashe. Now Menashe, of course, is not the Menashe, the son of, of, of Yosef. Menashe that when Shmuel Hanavi wrote this, he wrote Sefer Shoftim. He had in Navua there would be a famous Menashe. And who would that be? That, of course, was one of the Malachim. That was, of course, the son of Chizkiyahu, who was one of the worst Malachim in terms of Avodah Zarah. He was one of the people who was involved in murder and involved in Avodah Zarah. So Shmuel Hanavi, and that's the way it's written, that this man, Moshe Rabbeinu's grandson, could either have fulfilled his heritage and been an exact, been a, 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 an anical, a grandson of Moshe Rabbeinu, or if not, he's just another clone of one of the worst evil people that we know about, Menashe. That's what the Nun means there. Rabbi, I'm sorry, Rabbi. 
Yes. Rabbi, Menashe met Yeshiva, yes? This is a Menashe met Yeshiva? You're right. So that's a great question Yonatan is asking. Menashe's Tshuva didn't work. Menashe's Tshuva, the Gemara says, because he was Chote Machtias Arabim, his Tshuva did not help him get into Gan Eden. Because he had caused so many other people to sin. And even after he did and said, Hashem Kim, there were still others that were off the derech because of him. So therefore, he's the symbol of a guy gone bad. So now let's talk about Moshe Rabbeinu's grandson. Moshe Rabbeinu's grandson, what happened with him? So let's see. So, uh, the Pusik says that that man was there. If you look at the Pusik and Shoftim, it says he was there until the Golasaritz, that he was, he and his children acted as Kohanim, Pravodizara, till Sancheirev came and threw out the Aseris Hashvotim. So it sounds like he lived an incredibly long time. It sounds like he lived close to a thousand years. How could he have lived so long? How could that man Moshe Rabbeinu's grandson, who was involved in promoting Avodah Zarah, have lived to be that long. Why would God give this person such a long life? That was the question. Let's see what the answer is. He had the job, but he limited the Avodah Zarah, the, the, the excesses of the Avodah Zarah. He did his job. But he could have he could have made it a lot bigger, and he he, he minimized Avodah Let's see how. Ketzad If someone came to this Avodah and shave it done to bring a carbon, or Omar, he bring a bull or a sheep, or a gdi or a goat, Avodah and then he would tell to Yonatan. That was his name, by the way. He would tell Yonatan, Yonatan. Do your thing, Yonatan. You're the you're the Kohen. You're the guy that knows. Bring this animal and, and make it work and make this Avodazara love me. You think this works? Lo Roa, Lo Shamas, Lo Ocheles, Lo Shosa, Lo Metiva, Lo Meria, Lo Medaberis. It doesn't see, it doesn't hear, it doesn't eat, it doesn't drink, it doesn't do good, it doesn't do bad, it doesn't talk. That's true. Then, then what should I do? I came all the way here to do Avodah Zarah. He told me it doesn't work. Um, says, I'll tell you what. This is what Yonatan would say. Let's just bring me a bring me about a bring me a plateful of, of flour of and let's put ten eggs into the flour. And you know what? Who And you know what? That's what the Avodah Zarah will eat. And I'll talk to the Avodah Zarah for you. But you don't have to bring an animal. Just some flour and eggs, that's good enough. Once that guy would leave, then he would eat it. <laughs> so that's the way, that was his breakfast. That was his, he would make, who knows, pancakes out of it. I don't know. He'd make pancakes, eggs. That's what Yohonatan did. So basically, he stopped people from bringing big animals. He said, eh, you don't have to bring so much. So whatever they brought, he would eat it, and that's what he would take. So that's the type of Ovid Avodazari he was. Story's not over yet. Simnachodah Cain. 
If that's true, one smart guy came and said, One person asked him, you know, you keep on telling us this isn't worth anything, then why are you here? Why are you doing this job? Everybody who comes in, you say, ah, Bodhisattva doesn't work, ah, it doesn't eat, doesn't eat. But, but then you keep on staying here and you take all these eggs and everything. <laughs> What's going on? So he said, I'll tell you why. You're a smart guy, I'll tell you why. He said, <laughs> I need to live. Everybody's got to make a living. You know what I'm saying? This is my part also. I'm, I'm an honest guy. It's really worthless. But you know what? People are coming. They think it's great. I'm Moshe's grandson. Okay, I got to eat. So since I got to eat, I got to eat. So he was honest. Um, story gets better. David HaMelech heard about it. David HaMelech, the man is living hundreds and hundreds of years. The guy's 500 years old already, right? David HaMelech was 400 years after the, uh, 400 years after the, uh, approximately 370 or something years after they came into Eretz Yisrael. So he's probably he, he's probably close to a couple hundred years old, this man already. So David HaMelech heard this, this old man, it's Moshe Rabbeinu's son. Take a look what he said. He said, Sholach Bivio, he said, bring me this guy. I want this guy to come. You're the grandson of Moshe Rabbeinu. You are, what's your job? You are a priest for Avodah Zarah. How could you be doing this? I have a makar from my grandfather. You know what that is? It's better to sell yourself to Avodah Zarah and to have to stick your hand out. This is the only job I could get. I'd rather be this than a schnorrer on the street begging for money. At least here, I got to make some parnosa. You're right. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. It's also, but at least I, I got some dignity. Um, so David said to him, your grandfather didn't say that. You know what he meant? He meant, doesn't mean avoda zara. Let's say you were trained to be an accountant. And you can't get an accounting job. So now you're going to work for Amazon and pack boxes and stuff like that. Okay, that's what you're going to do. That's the job you can get. You were trained to be a physicist in Russia. You come over here and you become a house painter. You get the job that you can get. That's Avodah Zara. That's what it means, Altitzarachlebrius. Don't say, I'm not trained to do that. Everyone's looking at me and saying, Rabbi, why don't you get a job? But okay. I'm too old already. But the point is, I refuse to say it. But maybe I should have said it. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu told his children. Take a job, even though it's not what you were trained for. It's not what you thought you were going to be. And this way, you don't have to stick your hand out for people. That's what David HaMelech told Moshe's grandson. That's what your grandfather meant. Let's go on. A couple. We have um, eight more minutes. Avodah Zara is the biur Avodah Shazara Racha. Avodah Shazelo Matim Lefi Hachinuch Shatakibalta. Zelo Matim Lefi Mashata Hashata Ratzmacha. Okay? So now. Zara Zemiloshin Zion Reshe means it's a stranger. Zenachriut Lacha. Zemashu Muzar Lacha. Muzar. Otomila. Well, let's go on. I'm going to finish the story about Yonatan. Kivin Sherod David Kachshu Oev Momon. When David saw that this man loves money, Ma Osa, 
Himido Kumis al Tisbariashalo. He was one of the uh, officers over the treasury of David Amelach. There's a Pasuk in Divrayam that says that. Ushvuel ben Gershom ben Moshe. Nigid ala Otsros. He was in charge of the treasure houses. So he gave him that job, and this way he could he could take a little cut off the top. That was the job he gave to Yonatan to keep him honest. Why is he called Shivuel? Sheshov and Yonatan, you said this before about Menasha. Sheshov el becholi bo bechol kochol. He did shuva because he realized he was it was embarrassing when he was working for David. He had a new name, Shivuel. He did shuva. Negid right? And Negid that's what it says. Negid ala otsros, sheminu ala tizbora shalom. So, Mesvino Rav Shmuel Bar Nachman, that's the way he ended up. Dabada Melech, what do we call him? Nectarina? Dabada Melech fixed him up? Dabada Melech changed him? We know the Pasuk says in Shoftim, Ad Yom Galos Haaretz. Dab is a priest till the time of Sancheirev. David was a hundred years before that. So what does the Gemara say? Amar Lon, David, David died, who took over? Shlomo. Amar Shlomo, v'chilev sanklitin shalo. Shlomo said, I'm changing the whole cabinet. All the other people with the government jobs, I'm going out. Okay, listen, Yonatan, you don't have this job anymore. Shavuel, I don't care. We're somebody else. Is it only, only me hearing that noise? Is there some, only me hearing that story? I hear it too. I, I, it's not from here. I, I it's from Benayel. Benayel, mute your mic. Who, who's doing that noise? Oh, look, it's Alan. Alan, nice to see you. Thank you. I can't see you, Effie, but... So then what happened was, on my mic. So then what happened was he, he went back to the Kilkul. forgot to tell his son. Dabinamelch forgot to tell Shromo. Keep this guy at this job. Keep this guy at the job. And who was this person? Vinavi Echad Zokin Yoshima Base Ale. Who was that? So I'm just going to explain this, and then we're going to – well, we're going to do one little thing after that. We know that in the time of Yeruvim ben Nevot, Yeruvim was very successful originally, correct? He was able to get the whole people with him. The only one who stayed with Rechavam was Yehuda and Benyamin. But the other ten tribes went with Yeruvim. It was a very – from Malchus Afraib, he was a very popular, charismatic leader. And in some ways, he was Ushem Shamayim. But as we know, eventually he put up his own Eglam in Don and Beersheba and the whole country. He was very a powerful leader. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent a Navi to him. And the Navi found him doing Avodah Zarah, doing an Obama, sacrificing an Obama outside Yerushalayim. And the Navi came to him and said, you have to stop. This is going to be ending. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to punish this whole country that you've created, there's going to be a punishment on you and all these bamos. And he said, I'll prove it to you. And uh, Yeruvim lifted his hand up against the Navi, and his hand became paralyzed. And the Navi says, you see what I'm telling you? I represent God, and God paralyzed your hand to show you that this country that you're trying to create cannot last. And there's going to be korbanos. 
So Yeruvim begged him. He says, oh, please, please give me back my hand. Give my hand back its power. So he did. He says, you have to remember this. And I'm going to show you now this Mizbeach that you're at. It's going to split open. And the Mizbeach split open. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu told this Novi his, 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 that he needed to go back a different direction. He needed to be very careful not to eat or drink anywhere. Just go back home. Do not pass go, but do not stop anywhere on the way. Go straight home. Now, the, the Pusik tells us there was an old Navi sitting in base ale. That was Yonatan, the Argomar is saying. He went back to Avodazara and he heard the incredible miracle that happened. His kids told him that there was this great, powerful person. He caused the, the king to become paralyzed. He said, run after him. Bring him to me. Get him to come to me. And of course, he did come to He came to him and said, I'm a Navi just like you. He said, you are? Yeah. I'm a Navi. And they started talking like Navian talk. Because remember, he's Moshe's grandson. He knows how to talk the talk. And then he said, listen, you're here. I want to give you something to eat. And he said, no, no, I, I, I got a command beforehand. I'm not supposed to eat anything. I'm supposed to be fasting. I'm not supposed to eat anything. Said, no, no, don't worry. I happen to get a Navua too. And my Navua that said that you were coming and I was supposed to feed you. Of course, he was lying. That's what Yonatan was about. He, he knew how to tell the story. So the Navi, the real Navi, sat with the phony Navi, sat with Yonatan, and they were eating. In the middle of that meal, Yonatan had his greatest moment ever. God started speaking through him. God started putting on the mic through Yonatan's mouth. And Yonatan started saying, I you did the wrong thing. You didn't. He caused it to his mouth. All of a sudden, words started coming out of this Navi's mouth saying, you did the wrong thing. You shouldn't have stopped. You should not be eating here. Now that you ate here, you're going to die. And, of course, the guy picked himself up, and he started running back home. And what happened when he ran back home? A lion attacked him. And the lion gave him one swipe of his head. Also, and, and the man fell down there. And he was told by uh, Yonatan that he would not get to be buried in his own family plot. The lion stood over his body and refused to eat it. And there was a donkey there, which is usually very good food for lions. And the lion would not eat the donkey. And everybody saw a dead man in the road with a lion standing there and a donkey there. They went and told Yonatan about it. Yonatan said, bring me over there. Bring me over there. Yonatan told everyone, this is a holy man. This is a very holy man. That's why the lion is watching his body. I want you to take that body, I want to bring him into my burial place. I've got up. He was old enough. He was hundreds and hundreds of years old. You've got the place that's ready for me. I want him to be buried in my spot. And when I die, I want you to throw my body into the grave with him. And that's the Novi, the Medrash is telling us, that's who, who, that is what Shmuel tells us. Amrin Huhu. That was the Navi that we were talking about. So that's incredible, incredible Kabbalah about the story of Yonatan Ben Gershon. This was who? This was ben Moshe who was this? This was Moshe Rabbeinu's what? Moshe Rabbeinu's grandson. Moshe Rabbeinu's grandson. It was Moshe Rabbeinu's grandson. He, he, wasn't he like a, 
The, the, wasn't he uh, alive in the time of David Malach as well? Effie, where have you been? We just went through that. I know. Oh, he so lived longer than David. He was all the past Yeravim. He lived. He lived all the way till the time of Sanhedrin. The man was the oldest crotchety. Wasn't he like a he was, What's your question? We got to start. The At one point, he he was he was. Right. The best he ever. Keep okay. The best he ever became, according to the Yerushalmi, he did shuva, but he was able to make a little bit of money. He was happy when he. The man loved the dollar bill. What can I tell you? All right. It's now time for... Guys, guys, before we do the Bavli, we keep hearing the rabbi cutting in and out. It's because a lot of the people over here have uh, their mics on, and when the rabbi speaks, it comes through their speakers, and it brings it back into the into the, the broadcast. So if you're not in the middle of asking a question, please hit the little green mic, so that way your mic doesn't doesn't go off. So that you have a red mic at the bottom, not a green Thank you, Avrami. A very important public service message. Very important. Okay, we're now going to start the Bavli. So, let's start where we left off yesterday. So, the Bavli that we're talking about, it's go to page one, and it's um, from the top of the page one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. The 27th line. Two dots. Lo yikra lo oraner. This was one of the takonos that the Mishnah taught us. These are one of the takonos the Mishnah taught us that on Shabbat, you can't read what you need to see clearly between one letter and the other letter to know what you're reading. You should not do that in front of an oil lamp because the oil lamp, the problem was you might tip the oil lamp over, tip it towards you to increase the flame, to give you a brighter amount of light that you could discern what it is that you're reading. That's the yes, sir. Let's take a look at the Gemara now. It could be on the upper level. It could be as tall as a mardea. A mardea is what you use to take cattle, like a big cattle prod. Take two, two of these cattle prods. Each one is probably about five or six feet. It could be 12 feet higher than you where the light is. You still can't go under it and read. We'll see why in a minute. Even if you're on the on the bottom floor and there's 10 apartments and there's light coming out of the apartment number 10 on the 10th floor, you can't be there on the bottom reading it. Why? So Rashi says, it's Xera. We make the Xera without any light plug. Once you make the Xera, you can't read by a light. It doesn't make a difference how far the light is from you technically. If you are using that light in order to read from, no, no, you cannot do that on Shabbos. If it's an oil lamp, even though you're not even close to that oil lamp, once Xer is put in place, no if ands, and buts. That's what Rabbah is teaching us. That's what we're telling you. Then Rabbah has a cooler, though. 
the Mishnah said, Lo yikara, Loraner. One person should not be reading. Chadu de lo likre, atre shaper dummy. But two people are all right. Why? Because if there's two people, what the problem is. The problem is, even though you're reading, you're reading for the sake of Shabbat. You're reading because you want to learn on Shabbat. But then you get too caught up in what you're reading and you forget it's Shabbat. That's not going to happen if it's, if it's two people reading together. If it's two people reading together, the two people, one will tell the other, hey, stop doing that. Everybody knows you're not supposed to do it on Shabbos. The problem is you're going to forget when you're with someone else, that other person, the strength of the community, the strength of another person can remind you. That's what Rob is telling us. Let's see it inside. Can, can, it, can it be, can it be a, a child or it has to be bar mitzvah? Could it be a woman? That, I, I remember plan. I learned that Mishnah a long time ago, but so I'm not sure. Could it be your wife? That's a, I, I, I assume a wife is just as good. It doesn't have to be a Talmud Chacham. If someone else is reading with you, that's okay. Okay? Or you have another person standing over you, that could be as good as well. But if the other, if this way you're reading together with him, it's not going to happen. I, Vatanya, the Brisa says, give me a second, I'm just going to make it larger on my screen so I can see it better. Vatanya, lo echon v'lo shnayim. We have a Brisa that says, even two people can't read. Amr Abelazar, the Amor says, Vaikasha, kan inyan echon, kan bishnei inyanim. If two people are reading the same thing, then they're careful on each other. But if you're reading uh, Harry Potter and the person with you is reading Orachayim uh, HaKodesh. So the guy reading Harry Potter is not interested in the guy reading Orachayim HaKodesh. So therefore, they're not doing it together. They happen to both be by the flame, but they're not engaged in a mutual activity. Since they're both doing two different places, so therefore each one's caught in his own world, and you're not noticing what the other person is doing. But when both of you are reading the same thing, you feel a commonality, and you're watching what the other guy is doing. Next. But if it's not a flame with, with a candle and, 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 and oil, but it's a huge bonfire, then, even if it's ten people, and even if the ten people are all doing the same thing, it's usher. Why? Rashi explains, because everybody is far away. You're not sitting that close, and you're not noticing what the other person is doing. The other person might be getting up and stoking the flames. You're not watching that. When it's a Madeira, it's such a huge fire, you're not that close. And because of that, even though you're reading, the, everyone's reading the same thing, you get involved in what you're doing. You're not noticing what the other person is doing. You can't expect the other person to notice when you get up to stoke it. And therefore, everybody is usher when it comes to a big bonfire reading around it. But Rav has told us, if this is a person who he's an aristocrat, he's not the type of person to go and tip an oil lamp over. He's been raised uh, in, 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 in aristocratic England. He's been raised like a prince. That's the lamp. You don't touch it. He doesn't want to put his hand there. He doesn't want to get it dirty. He doesn't want to start tipping it, and maybe the oil is going to spill. He sits there like a de- if he's a if he's a dignified person. This isra doesn't apply to him. Im adam mutter. So Rava said, and there are people out there. There's people out there that were raised like dignified aristocrats, 
It's not in their it's not in their psyche to do this. So Mesve, we ask on Rava, what is it? it says, Well Yikra or an air shemayate. We know Amrabi Shmo ben Elisha, and he was the son of a Kohen Gadol. He himself was, his grandfather was the famous Rabbi Shmuel who died from the Saruge Malchus. He was the Bar Plukta of Rabbi Akiva. He was this incredible, he came from one of the most the distinguished families in Klal Yisrael. So what did he say? He says, Ani ate. He says, you know what? I am going on, I know what it says in the Mishnah. I am going to read on Friday night using the oil lamp. I know it's not going to happen. There's no way it could happen. Pamachaskara. One time he started to read and he forgot it was Shabbos. And what happened? And he started thinking, oh, I want to start moving it. Omar, he said, oh, smart. I thought I was, I thought I was this way. I see that it applies to me also. Rab Nosson had a different tradition about what happened. Rabbi Nossin, the student of Rabbi Kiva, says, no, what happened with Rabbi Shmuel was even worse. Kara, he was reading, and he forgot it was Shabbos, Vihita, and he started he started tipping the oil over, creating a bigger flame. He was over the Malach of Havara on Shabbos, Bishogeg. And after Shabbos, what did he do? Kosovo bin Koso, Ani Yishmo ben Elisha, Karisi Vitisiner Bishabbos. He wrote on his little notebook for people to find and for he himself to know. as says, Ah, Yishmo ben Elisha, Red and I tipped the oil lamp over and I created a greater flame. When the base of Midrash will be rebuilt, I am going to bring a big carbon, a big fat chatas to make up for it. So what do you see? What's the question? The question is, he's an Adam Choshev. Rav has said an Adam Choshev it doesn't apply to. Isn't he an Adam Choshev? Shiny Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha. Shmuel ben Elisha is different. Why? Hoil umesim atzma divrei Torah kehedyot. When it comes to divrei Torah, how does he look at himself? He looks himself like a normal hedyot, like a normal nobody. Because when it comes to Torah, he loves it. Even though he was very dignified. When it came to reading Divrei Torah, he got as excited as anyone else. And therefore, for someone like him, the Yisra did apply. Tony Choda. Obviously, because most people, right, would put themselves down. A person is not going to make himself look great. He's going to put himself down, no? Well, you see, Effie, he originally thought it didn't apply to him. He thought that he was able to control himself, right? But what you see from here is, is that even though he was raised to be an aristocrat, he was probably wealthy, because there's a din, the Kohen Gadol needs to be wealthy, and he came from the Kohen Gadol's family. When it came to Divrei Torah, he would roll up his sleeves and do everything he can to learn more, and he got excited about it, and he was willing to even... By according to Abba, by according to Rav Abba, right, he would have been someone that that he would be allowed to do it. But obviously, in his own eyes, he... That's right. He he did not his, consider himself an In his own eyes, he would... Right. That, so it would most come people out, wouldn't. So it would come out, Effie, that if you have an aristocratic person, it might be he, he can read. Remember, he can sit there and read because we're not worried about him adjusting it. Let's go on. Tani Chada, another case of, of, of using the fire. Shamish bode kosot v'karot It's Shabbos. And you're the Shamish. You're the waiter. 
you're bringing food to people. You don't want the you don't want the guy you're bringing food to to say what's this in my cup. Before you put the stuff in there, you want it to be clean. You want to make sure you're getting a good clean cup. You want to make sure that that everything is exactly where it should be. You're serving to people on Shabbos. You're the shamish. So one Bryce says the shamish is allowed to use the light to make sure that the cups and plates are what they are supposed to be. One Bryce says no, we shouldn't do that. Okay, so Lakasha. So Rashi explains like this. If you're a, if you're a Shamish Kavua, you've got your job for years already or whatever you were hired for, probably the boss isn't just taking you as a temp. He's giving you the job. So even if he discovers there's a hair, there's some schmutz, there's something there, you know it's not the end of the world because you got your job. He might talk it out to you, but you're not so scared. But if you're a Shamish Sha'ena Kavua, this is your chance. You're so worried, you're going to try to do the best possible job. And if it's not clean, you're going to you're going to do whatever you can to tip over the oil lamp and do what you can to make sure everything is the way it should be. Because you're scared when you don't when you're when you have a temporary job, you're scared when you have a when you don't have it. When, when you're the official job, you're not scared when you have the job, even though you might make a mistake, you figure the boss will understand. That's the Gemara's first answer. Both can be talking about Shamash Kavua. Really, it depends what sort of lamp it is. If it's a lamp that's just oil, oil doesn't smell bad, it's not such a big deal. But if it's neft, it's kerosene, it's neft, moving it's going to get you a smell, smelly. You're not going to do it. So that's like already something that will stop you. So even on one hand, you might want to check, right? But if the oil lamp we're talking about is an oil lamp, is a, is a lamp from Neft, that smells so bad that we don't think the person is going to tip it over. What about if he's a temporary guy who's scared, but the lamp is an easy type of lamp to use? So what do we say? Would it be us or not? What's the halacha? Amarav, halacha bein meyrin kain. Halacha is that the shamash is allowed to check the plates and cups by the lamp, but don't tell anybody that. In other words, if he comes to us, we tell him it's okay. We're not going to stop him, but we're not going to issue it as a psak. Because we don't want people being makel in this din. Rafir mi baraba amar, halacha meyrin kain. No. If he's a shamash, she'ena kavua, he has the right to do it. So he has the right. Again, he's not supposed to tip the lamp, but he has a right to check things by the lamp. Rabbi Yirmiyabe came to Ravasi's house. It was on Shabbos. Rabbi Yirmiya brought his own Shamish with him. Rabbi Yirmiya was a Tamachacham. He had his butler with him. So his butler got up. And what did his butler do? His butler checked the cups and the plates that were being served to his master, Rav Yirmiya. Whose house was he in? He was in Ravasi's house. Ravasi's wife said, why are you letting him do it? When we have temporary help come here, you never let them use the, the to check. You tell them they're not allowed to. 
He's with his Rebbe. His Rebbe holds, he's a temporary guy here, because in my house, he's a temp. So he, therefore, his Rebbe says, a temp, since it's an oil lamp, has a right to check, leave him alone. He's following the psak of his master. The Mishnah also, let's go on to the next thing. The Mishnah said that a chazan can see where the children are going to be reading. Because even though the children, like we saw we in, in Corona world, children keep on learning no matter what. Children learn on Friday night, even to the lamp. Part of the reason is because we don't believe they're going to upset the lamp. We think they really don't care that much about what they're learning. We don't expect them. Plus, the adults are supervising them. But what about the adult that's supervising them? Is He has to read and say, he has to tell the children what they need to do. So let's see. So the first part of the Mishnah said that the that the Chazan, the, the, the head teacher, is allowed to see what's going on. But then it says he shouldn't read. So that's what the Gemara asks. Ha'amret Reisha Roa, two lines from the bottom. The Reisha says you are allowed to see, and now you're telling me he's not supposed to look at, at the, he's not supposed to look at the, at the parchment paper in front of the oil. My love, Likros, doesn't mean that he's supposed to read. Lisader Rosh Parshiotav. There's a difference between reading and recognizing the first couple of words. It's not really reading. He's just noticing what's there. That he's allowed to do. He's not allowed to read. What can he do? He can look at the beginning words, but he's not supposed to read everything. You're not supposed to read everything? Next page. The children used to actually read on Friday night in front of the candle and would read everything they were supposed to read for this Shabbat. You could say they also didn't read everything. They just read the beginning. The Tinokos are afraid of their Rebbe. Since they're afraid of the Rebbe, they're not going to bend it over. So therefore, you can leave the kids. But the Rebbe himself has to be worried. The children aren't And they're not going to tell the Rebbe not to do it. <laughs> so therefore... The next Mishnah said, the next Mishnah said that a Zov, very interesting Gemara we're going to do now, very important, Nogea Lamaisa. So everybody should try to hold cup here. Tanya, what did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah said that a man who's a Zov and a woman who's a Zova should not eat together in a meal because they might get amorous with each other. So they should eat in separate places. They shouldn't eat together. That's what the Mishnah said. Tanya, Shimon, Elozer, Oimer, Bo Look how strong the idea of Tahara was. What does that mean, the idea of Tahara? The idea was that people, even if they weren't Kohanim, they would eat Hulan Altaras HaKodesh. They would act as if they were Kohanim, and everything they eat, they want to be tar, they don't want to eat anything Tomei. It was a Humrah that spread, and many people were part of that group. They were called Chaverim, and they only wanted to eat things B'Tahara. L'Chorah, the Mishnah could have said, Azov and Azov should eat together? Why didn't it say that a man not a Zav shouldn't eat with his wife, who's a Zava. That would have been a more simple thing to say. A man who's not a Zav should not eat with his wife, who's a Zava, because she's like a Nida. 
Gemara says, you know why? Because at the time of the Mishnah was written, a man who was Tameh, he wouldn't eat with anybody who was a Tahar, wouldn't eat with anyone who was Tameh, even if it was another man. It has nothing to do with being amorous. He didn't want to get close to food that was Tameh. So the Chiddush of the Mishnah is that only in a case where they're both Tameh, but in terms of Tum and Tahara, you don't need the Mishnah to say that, because that was the mindset. I eat only things that are Tahar. I don't eat with people that are Tameh. That's even your own wife. But if when you're both Tameh and everything you touch is Tameh anyway, there's another Isser, we're afraid you're going to get amorous together. That's what our Mishnah is saying. Let's read it again. It doesn't say if a man is Tahar, he shouldn't eat with his Tameh wife. Because of course you're going to stay away from someone who's Tameh. You don't want to have Tameh food. Even though you're both Tameh. Because of getting amorous. Again, not a man and a woman. If you have a Zov who's a parish, a Zov up until this point, he only eats things that are Tahar. Oh, he becomes a Zov. What can he do? Now everything that he touches becomes Tameh. He should not decide he's going to go now eat with an Amaretz who doesn't keep these laws. Why? Sheme Yargilenu slow. Maybe he's going to bring him next to him. That's the end of the, that's the end of the Bryson. So the Gemara asks, Vichim Argilenu my have. What's wrong with them being friends? The fact that one guy is firmer than the other, why shouldn't they have some relationship? The fact that one guy is a Talmud Chacham and the other one's an Amoritz, why shouldn't they have some relationship? Now they're both Tameh. Let them get to know each other. <laughs> What's wrong with that? So the Gemara answers, Maybe he's going to feed the Parush the one who's been a parush, he's going to feed him dvarim that are tmeim. says, what's the problem with that? Atu zov parush lav dvarim tmeim ochal. He's anyway, anything he eats is tamei. He's a zov. He's now an avatuma. All his food is tamei. So what's the problem? Let him be a little more friendly with this guy. Why did it say not to eat together? So, Amar Abaya, Gzeira Sheme Yachilenu dvarim Shainam Mutukanim. We know in Amaretz, they did a bedika. In the time of Yochan and Kohen Godel, they did a bedik and they found out that there was a, a, a decent percentage, not rove, a decent percentage, a minority of Amaratzim that didn't take off Trumos and Maestros. Maybe they would take off Truma, but they would not take off uh, Truma Gedol, uh, Maestro, they wouldn't take off Truma, Trumas Maestro, for, uh, Levium, wouldn't take them off. They wouldn't take off Maestro Shani. Because of that, they made Xera called Demai, that whenever you buy food from an Amoritz, you have to take off Trumas and Maestros. So, this man's an Amoritz. So you're afraid, Abaya says, that he's going to give you some of his food. It's not about Tuma, but even food that's, even if you can eat Tame food, you can't eat Tame food that you didn't take off Trumas and Maestros from. And Amoratzim don't take off Trumas and Maestros. So therefore, you're afraid that maybe the Amoritz is going to give the man food that's that's uh, that's not take off Trumas and Maestros. That's Abaya. Rova says no. The Gozer of Demai was on a mute. But Rov Amayar, it's Maestrimheim. So it's true, there it might be, but it's a it's 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 a smaller percentage possibility. 
And who says he's going to take the food anyway? And you're going to tell me it's usher to sit at the same, eat at the same table with him? This is similar to what we saw before. Rav says too many xerot. The whole idea of not even taking food directly from Amoritz is only a suffix. And it's only a xero. So you're going to tell me you can't sit at the same table with him? You shouldn't eat together with him? And who says you're going to take his food? So therefore, what should be the reason the Brysa says the zov, the two zovs can't eat together? Ela the problem is, is that you can't just be friends for a couple of minutes. <laughs> you're going to be friends now that you're both Tomei. A week is going to pass. You're going to be Tohar. You're not going to be able to go back to your separate lives. You're going to be his buddy again. And this whole din that you had, that you tried to eat stuff Petahara, is going to go down the drain. So sometimes you have to practice distance from people. <laughs> sometimes, even though we're both in the same situation, they're both Tomei, but in this over here, we said, you know what? It's true, they're both Tomei now, but in a week or two, they both won't be Tomei. And this Amaretz will still be eating things that are Tomei. This way, it's, it's not the best thing for friendship. But once you commit yourself to a certain style of life, you sometimes have to cut off certain social connections. And that's what the Brysa is teaching us. This is too, Rabbi, Rabbi, this is too much Ziva, right? Too much Ziva, if, right. if you go in every, yeah, if you go every day the mikveh, you'll be tough or stay until the night. No, no. If you're a Zov, you need to wait seven days that you don't have any uh, Tuma. And you have to bring a carbon as well to become Tar. So going to the mikveh every not, day, is, not, not, going every day no, to the mikveh isn't going to help you if you're a Zov. Iboyu. No. Okay. Nida mahu shetishin in baila. He be big dov, he be big dov. This is very important. Your wife is a nida. Can you sleep in the same bed? However, you're both fully, you both have all your pajamas on. Um, we know that in the time of Chazal, Rashi points out, there's, Rashi points this out. The Chazal tell us, the Pasuk says, Shera, so uh, there is ksuta is her clothes. Onata is having sex. Sheira means to sleep with her together. Bikir of basar, that she feels your warmth of your body. It doesn't. You have to cuddle. You have to cuddle with your wife. That's part of the lachot. It's part of the mitzvah. Sheirak sutalo tigramimenu. The Gemara says that if a person says, I'll marry you, but we're not cuddling, once in a while we have sex, you, the woman can force that man to give her a get. Sheira means you sleep with your wife, cuddling your flesh and her flesh together. So now, the question is like this. Since that's the normal way you would be, whether you're having sex or not, is it enough of a harchaka from the fact that you both have pajamas on, but you're in the same bed? That was the question. That was the question that was asked in the base medrash. Do you have a proof? Or a baby in the middle. What? Or a baby in the middle. Or if you have a baby in the middle. Similar question. Uh, uh, but here the point was, your body is totally not the way it usually is. Usually when she's not Anita, you're both in the nude, uh, very little clothing on, and you're hugging each other and everything. Now, she's Anita, you've got your pajamas on, you're not touching her, but can you be in the same bed together? That was the question. 
So let's see what the Gemara answers. You ready? Um, Amar of Yosef, Toshma, I have a proof from a mission in Chulin. It says, Ha'of ole magvina al shulchan ve'no nechal. We know there's a machlokas whether you're allowed to eat uh, uh, chicken meat and cheese together. Rabbi Yosef says it's minatara. We hold it's only midrabanan. Chicken and, and 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 cheese is only rabbinically ushered to be together. But we made a takana arachoka. It's just like meat. Chicken and cheese should not be eaten together. How about you have you have one person eating chicken? And another person eating cheese. Or let's say, can you put them both on the table? And first eat 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 the cheese, then eat the chicken. What does the Mishnah say? Ha'of ola magvina shulchan ve'eno nechal. Divri Beishamai. Beishamai gives a kula. He says, look, they can both be on the table, but you're going to eat the uh, the cheese. If it's not hard cheese, then you wash your mouth out and eat the chicken. Or the other guy's eating the chicken and you're eating the cheese. They can be in proximity with each other. Basilo Amar, lo olev, lo nechal. Basilo says it shouldn't be eaten together, it shouldn't be on the table together. So isn't that the same thing? So Lachar, it's the same thing. Basilo is the machmir. We should be machmir like a woman, you're with your wife in the bed. You're with your wife in the bed, she's a nida. You guys shouldn't be together. The same way the cheese and the, and the chicken should not be on the same table together. So let's see what the Gemara answers. The Gemara says, no, shiny, awesome, the lekadeos. Over there, it's, it's, we're worried about you. We're worried that you're going to see them both on the table and you're going to forget. They're both on the table, you're hungry, and you're going to eat the, 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 the chicken and then eat the cheese. Or you eat them together. Over there, there's the man and the wife. Who says both of them are going to not be able to resist? You have one man, one woman. They both know the law. They're both in their pajamas. Maybe it's not the same. You can't bring a raya from that Mishnah to this case. We know that if there's two different minds, we're more mekel. Even though cheese and meat, according to cheese and, 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 and chicken meat, should not be on the same table according to Hillel, that's only if it's if it's all from you, from one family, or from one person. But let's say you're at a, a communal restaurant or, or at a hotel, and as a table where the guests are supposed to eat, and one guy brings cheese and one guy brings chicken, over there, you don't have to worry about that. So you see why? What's the difference? The difference is the difference is why? Because you have two different people here. They're not from the same. So therefore, it's similar to a man and a woman who's in need. One second. It was discussed about the two the two guys who are staying in the hotel in the lobby, eating at the same dining table. When do we say one could put cheese and one could put chicken, one could put meat, one could put milk? That's only where they're strangers. They never they said hello, but they never really know each other. If they know each other, they're not supposed to eat together because, well, hey, let me have some of that cheese. Let me have some of that chicken. Once you're at the same table, you get involved in eating and you forget. The man and woman, they definitely know each other. 
Over there, it's two people. You're right. They're both traveling salesmen. They know each other. They've seen each other many times on this route. But this is the way they always eat. There's nothing different about the table. The table, there's nothing special. There's nothing separating one and the other. There's meat and chicken. There's, there's meat, chicken, and cheese on the same table. And since they know each other, hey, give me some of that. Here, there's a shinui. Hacha, there's ikadeus v'ikashinui. The way they're in bed is unusual. They're, at the time of Chazal, nobody wore, they didn't work in their own clothing. Remember? They slept very scantily clad under the bed, under the covers. That shinui is enough to send a message to stay away. Some say they didn't even try to bring a raya from the Mishnah. They went straight to Rabbi Shimon Gamliel. It's basically the same thing. Rabbi Yosef brought a raya. Akiran says, Avol. Akiran says, Oser. Haninam Akiran says, So the first wide line. Hosem deus ika shinui leka. Hocha ika deus ve'ika shinui. So basically, we at this point, it could be you can sleep with your wife together in the same bed when she's in Eden. Now, the Ritva says, we know from a Gemara in another place in Shas, Ravuna has a whole bunch of archokos that you're not supposed to do with your wife when she's in Eden. So Ritva says, our Gemara is trying to see the earliest source. Of course, it's wrong, the Ritva says, to sleep with your wife in the bed. But Argamar is trying to find, can we find a Mishnah or a Brisa, or was it an enactment that was made later? Anyway, that's what the Ritva says. Let's move on. Toshma, lo yochel azov a quick question, Rabbi? Yes. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry, about the meat and dairy. As you know, if you eat meat and like one of the kids want to eat dairy, we put like a mechitza or something in between. Is that That's permitted that, or maybe I got right, it wrong? Be, I don't know it's got to be very different than a usual meal. It's got to look different. A separation, a different... If it, Some say that a different... Uh, okay. Not a tablecloth, a, a placemat is like a different table. There's some postcard that say, the Ron says, a different cover on the table, two different covers is like two different tables. Okay, thank you. Okay, next. Next. Why aren't they supposed to eat together? There's no difference in the way they're eating. Therefore, uh, there's no there's no reminder that he shouldn't be having sex. Toshma, the Pasuk says the following. When it talks about a tzaddik, it says, <laughs> He didn't look at the mountains. He didn't do Avodah Zarah on the mountains. He didn't look at the beautiful Avodah Zarah and say, Oh, I want to go see it. <laughs> he didn't do adultery, and he didn't get close to his wife who was Anita. Hmm. Why does it put those two things together? One is terrible, and one is sort of normal. Aha! What do you see? That according to the Pesach in Yecheskel, what do you see? Makish isha nida le'eshes re'eyu. Ma eshes re'eyu. He bebigda, he bebigda oser. We know with someone else's wife. How about you came home and you found your wife with your next door neighbor, and they're in the same bed? Oh, well, well, we were in the same bed, but look, we're both in, we both have our clothes on. Of course, it's us, sir. Rashi says yichud. You can't have yichud with with one of the arayas. 
So you see from the Pasuk in Yechesko, you have to treat your wife in a way with the same humor that you treat another man's wife. Your wife, during her menstrual period, you have to treat her as an Ashes Ish. In the same way, Ashes Ish, it's obvious you can't be in the same bed with her, even though you both have clothes on. It's the same thing would be with your wife. That's what um, we bring a, a proof from this Pasuk. disagrees. The Torah, when it said Losikravu, it what does it mean Losikravu Lagalos Erva? The words Losikravu mean actual sexual coitus. That's what Losikravu means. That's what's also from the Torah. Kurva is only Midarabonon. So therefore, this is a Chumra, a Gzeira to Gzeira. Even hugging your wife is only Osir Midarabonon, Rapadas says. <coughs> right? On all the Arayas, Rapadas holds, and don't tell this to your kids, Rapadas holds that Minatora, the only thing that's Osir with all the Arayas, including your wife, is actual sex. That's what's Osir. But hugging and kissing and all this other stuff is only Osir Dirabonon. Since it's only Osir Dirabonon, so over here, you're not touching. So therefore, according to Rav Padas, you wouldn't have a source to say that you couldn't sleep in the same bed with your wife when she's in Nida, according to Rav Padas. Okay, so... Yeah, well, let me just finish this, okay? Yeah. One second. Hold on. He would, when Ula would come home from the yeshiva, his family was very proud of him. He did a great, great job. He traveled, and he traveled to Bavel. He told people Torah. When he would come home, he would kiss his sisters on their chest. That doesn't mean... Now this doesn't this mean okay this this does not mean that they stripped open and and they pushed their 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 breasts into his face that's not what it means <laughs> what it means is is that he would give them a peck right over there right that's where he would kiss them he was an old man my he question would... is my cousin my cousin my question is my cousin come and I'm allowed to give a hug and kiss I didn't see a long so, time so this is, I don't so, know if so one second this is what Ula did Ula gave it's not sister. He would give his sisters a kiss. Some say he would give a kiss on their hands. But even though Ula did that, what he said goes against his own statement. Ula himself, when he used to give speeches, would say, do not get close to your wife. Do not get close to our eyes. Your wife is Anita. Why? When you see a Nazir who's going near a vineyard, you say, walk around, buddy. Keep on walking. Don't get close. So you see, Ula himself didn't always live according to what he preached. Now, Tosfa says the reason why Ula did it, because Ula had lost his Yetzirah. He was completely devoid of Yetzirah. It's like the Gemara says in Suvis, one of the, uh, the Amora of Hamnuna would take the woman onto his shoulders and dance with her at a chasna. That's the way Ula was to his relatives. He was trying to show them to be friendly, but of course, regularly people, you cannot be Mako. Let's just finish off over here. I just want to do three more minutes, and then we're going to stop. 
Tana de Beelio, Maisa Betalmid Echot Shoshona Harbe, Vikora Harbe, Vishimish Tamid Chachomim Harbe. There was a Talmud Chacham who was incredible. He was considered a superstar. He learned, he was, he, he knew, he had Misora personally from them, from his Rabbeim. He understood how to answer Mishnayas and Brysis. Umeis Bachatzi Yomov. He died half the age, at 30, 35, he was dead. His wife took his tefillin and she went to all the yeshivas and she said, Torah is supposed to keep you alive. Torah is supposed to protect you. My husband was, the, was great in learning. Next page. Why is he dead? Nobody could answer him. But who is this quoted from? Tana de Be'elio. This was the yeshiva. These are our memories from Elio Anovi that we have, a tradition. Elio Anovi answered her. I, maybe he was disguised as a human. I mean, he was a human. Elio Anovi can sometimes be in a totally human form. Elio Anovi once stayed by her. Maybe she had like a uh, a, a lodge where people stayed. And she was talking about how her husband died and how could God allow her husband to die. When you were in Nida, how did he treat you? Okay. When you were in Nida. What about the halacha that we've accepted? That you're supposed to have seven clean days. Seven clean days during those clean days that we were machmir, to treat every needle like a zova. How was that? She said, he was very kind to me. He ate with me. And he slept. And we didn't, and we didn't have pajamas on. But but we slept, he cuddled with me, but he did not get sexually aroused. He was a tzaddik. Now, Tosva says, how could he have even done that? So Tosva says, she went to the mikvah after the seven days were over, and she was just doing the Darabon and counting the seven clean days. That's what Tosva says. Now, it could be that's the Pshat in the Gemara. But what did Elio Navi answer her? He said, Amartiwa it's good that God killed him. Because he, as great as he was, he was a he decided to make his own rules. You're not supposed to get close to your wife. That's if no if ands or buts. Let's finish off here. Ravdimi said that in that story you have to say that maybe it was a very long bed. And since it was a very long bed, maybe, again, uh, I'm right? It says, And therefore, if it's a long bed, maybe this doesn't apply. There was a sinor between them. Either way, um, it was still Bekir of Basar. And Eliyahu said, So you can't play around. Rabbi said, that's it for tonight. All right, so let's, everybody, 
we're going to start from this spot here tomorrow. What time? At 3 o'clock tomorrow? So tomorrow it's only going to be Bob. Tomorrow? It's too close to Shabbat. What time do you want to do Shabbat? Shabbat. Shabbat. Maybe we'll make a shorter version, Rabbi. Yes, short tomorrow, only Gemara. Tomorrow, only Gemara. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.